This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. Twelve o'clock, and all is well. Come in, dear guests. Come in and sample our wares. We have such things to show you. Sit back, rest in peace. Welcome to Midnight Marinara. We hope you've put the kids to bed, intrepid listeners. And if you don't have kids, then you're ready to listen. And if you are a kid, what are you doing up so late? Shouldn't you be asleep by now? Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 well, we won't tell your parents if you're sitting up listening to scary stories. What's wrong with a little ghoulish fun come midnight, hmm? Just be forewarned, if you have nightmares as a result, it's your own fault. That is to say, though, that it would not surprise us if tonight's play gives our older listeners the ooh-heebie-jeebies as well. Oh. Our tale of terror concerns a woman who, until recently, worked in daycare. Oh, don't worry, there's no demented demonic children in this tale. But perhaps there is something worse. I still can't get the whole thing out of my head, you know? I mean, it doesn't fit together at all. I haven't been able to get any rest for the past few days just thinking about it. If you guys have any better luck explaining it, it'll help. That's what we're here for. Now, go ahead and have a seat there. You don't mind if I take notes, do you? Just as long as this isn't made public, people will think I'm nuts. I wouldn't worry too much about what other people think. Right. I'm not sure where to start, really. It's fine. Let me put it to you like this. First, can you reiterate what your connection is to Mr. Carter? Maybe a little bit of background. Well, I only knew Mr. Carter through my job. I I work at a daycare. He would drop off his daughter, Lucy, before he went to work. And what's that like? It's nice. I like it. We mostly cater to the professional crowd. Busy people in finance who don't use the office daycare or don't have an office daycare. One of the attractions is that we offer daycare for infants as well, which is why Mr. Carter used our service, I imagine. Mm. Can you describe both their appearances uh, so that I can determine whether you're telling the truth or not? Telling the truth? You asked me to come here. If you want the goddamn truth, then let me continue. No need to be hostile, ma'am. I just need to be sure. Right. I'm sorry. It's just I'm still kind of rattled by the whole thing, and no one else wanted to believe me. What did Mr. Carter look like? As far as I could gather, he was a self-made businessman. One of those internet startup companies or something like that. I never caught what he did, and the five-minute handovers in the morning really didn't make for startling revelations. He always dressed pretty sharply, wore off-brand labels to begin with, but then one day he showed up in a genuine designer brand— 
and wore a different suit every time I saw him from then on. He seemed genuinely pleasant, if a little distracted in the mornings, but more and more so as time went on. And the girl? Oh, Lucy was my favorite baby. We all have favorites working in the daycare. When you're faced with screaming babies all day, you grow to like the quiet ones more than the others. Lucy was as close to a perfect baby as we'd ever cared for. Wasn't much of a crier unless she needed a change. Went to sleep like clockwork. Little wisps of blonde hair and blue eyes. Did you know anyone else in the family? No, can't say that I do. I don't know if there was a Mrs. Carter, but I was aware that there was an Abigail Carter listed as an emergency contact. A sister. Right. I know some of the others joked about whether he was on the market, so to speak, when they saw his sports car pull up to drop off Lucy in the mornings, but that was just our equivalent of locker room talk. He was awfully rich, though. Some kind of magic touch, the others said, coming out of nowhere and building something up like that. I don't know how useful any of this is. No, that's that's fine. Anything you can add is relevant. Now, what exactly happened the morning of the incident? I need as much detail as possible. I'll do my best. Believe me, I've been over those five minutes hundreds of times in the last few days, trying to think if I missed anything. Maybe there really wasn't anything wrong. I keep thinking back, because if things had gone differently... I might have been able to save Luce. Oh, shit. I don't know why I just said that. It's fine, miss. Say whatever you need to. Yes, of course. Lucy's fine. Or she should be. I don't know why I can't get it out of my head that I made a terrible mistake. Let's go over it, then. Start at the beginning. Sure. Uh, let's see... Mr. Carter showed up in the morning as usual. I didn't think much of it at the time because we'd been through this ritual dozens of times before. His suit was immaculate, he greeted me like he did with the rest of the staff, warm smile, kiss for Lucy, gentle request for us to take good care of his girl, just about the same thing any of the other 20 or so parents that hour would have said. He didn't seem particularly agitated or different than normal, he just got in his car and drove off. Are you sure you're not missing anything? I'm positive. But that's not where things got strange. It was about midday. We just put the children down for their afternoon nap when we heard the chime. Maddie, can you see who that is? I'm a little busy here. Uh, sure, I'll be right back. Can I... My breath caught a little when I saw this man standing there. He was dressed in a suit. He was really good-looking. I mean, he looked like he was plucked straight from a fashion magazine. He stepped up to the counter and flashed this perfect white smile at me. There was something about this guy. I mean, that smile made me go a little weak at the knees, and... Good afternoon. Mr. Carter and I have an agreement. I'm here to collect Lucy. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Mr. Carter? I did. And if you could hurry things along, I'd very much appreciate it. Uh, yes, well, we weren't notified in advance that Lucy was being picked up. I'll need some form of authorization from the parent. Hmm. I see. He stood there for a little while... 
in deep thought, and it gave me a moment to think. I felt strange. How so? Well, it was like the moment I laid eyes on him. I had been struck by how attractive he was. But right away, that feeling was replaced with this sensation of vileness. I felt dirty, shameful, the kind of dirty that makes you feel like you'll never be able to scrub it off. Uh Uh-huh. Don't patronize me. I know what I felt. And when I did, I realized that there was something really off about this guy. He had this weird air around him. It was intimidating. Like I was totally undeserving of his attention. And then he smiled again, like he'd come to some conclusion. Ah, that's fine. Everything's been taken care of. Hello? Hey, there's a guy over there with you, right? Mr. Carter? Yes, it's me. But the guy, he's there, yeah? That wasn't Mr. Carter. It couldn't have been. For one, I know I never gave him my number. And two, his voice was absent of any feeling. No genuine emotion. Madeline. Uh, yes. Yes, he's here. You need to give Lucy to him. I'm sorry, what? Just give him Lucy. Alright, if you say so. Is there something wrong? Nothing's wrong. Just give him the girl. It'll be fine after that. Mr. Carter? Hello? So, miss, how about we wrap this up, hmm? Uh, right, I'll, I'll get the baby. So I went back to get Lucy. I couldn't help but feel like something was very wrong about the whole thing. Mr. Carter didn't sound right. And I swear I kept hearing this whispering voice under his own. What did it say? It might have been my imagination, but I thought I heard Save Lucy over and over again. Save Lucy. Okay, so you followed through with the request. Not exactly. I'd been given a direct order from the parent, of course, but I couldn't help but trust my gut here. Hi, Lucy. I'm sorry. It's okay. When I got back to the counter, the man beamed and got closer. I remember smelling this smoky smell for a moment, like a cigarette. I didn't take this guy for a smoker, but with the teeth and all, he started to reach out for Lucy. you're the man that Mr. Carter told me about. You could be anyone. Oh, he and I go back a long way. You could call me a godparent, almost. I've been watching over her since she was born. Fair enough, but I... Here, I'll prove it. She has a small birthmark on her left hip. Ah, now I know you're making stuff up. Check and see. Fine, but I know she has no such birthmark. I change her just about every day, and I... But that's not possible. I think I've proved my point. It just didn't make any sense, but there it was on her left hip. This 
impossible red mark. What did it look like? That's what bothers me the most, trying to remember that damn mark. It's like my mind slides over the details of it. It was small and angular, almost like one of those runes they have in fantasy novels, but that's it. I stared at it for a good five minutes, and I can't form the shape of it in my head when I try to remember it. You seem reluctant, young lady. I assure you that no further inconvenience will befall you regarding this matter. The business is between me and baby Lucy here. It's been a slow day, so I suppose you and I could come to some small agreement for the handover. The child needs to be given willingly, and I'd hate for this to be delayed any further than it already has. I'll have to speak to my supervisor about this. I was really hoping to be done with this business this afternoon. No matter, what's due to me will come in the end. If not from you, then maybe from someone else more amenable. Hey, Jane? Jane, there's someone... I'd only turn away for a second, but when I turned back, the man was gone. Didn't even make a sound as he left. Just a slight smell of smoke. And when my hands brushed the counter where he'd rested his elbows, it was freezing cold. What's up, Maddie? You rang? Yeah, sorry, Jane, but I needed to get your input. What about? There was a man here to pick up Lucy, and he just left without her. That's odd. He claimed to know Mr. Carter and said he needed to get her. Did he have any proof? No, not really. That's why I called you. Right, Maddie. This is the kind of stuff you can do on your own. You call the parent to double-check. Besides, the only one besides Mr. Carter qualified is his contact. I know. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. He's gone anyways. We should probably confirm with Mr. Carter, though. I'm calling him now. Yes, hi. I, I was hoping to get in touch with Mr. Carter. He... N no, uh, what? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't... Uh... Oh my god. N no, I had no idea until just now. How did it happen? Was... Well, well yes, we, we have his daughter here. That's why I'm calling. Yes, we can work that out. No, no, that's fine. Thanks. Goodbye. Gene, what happened? That was the cops. Mr. Carter's dead. Dead? After dropping Lucy off this morning, he drove straight to his office and blew his brains out. It really started to dawn on me then that something was seriously wrong, and not just that Mr. Carter had killed himself. The phone call. Exactly. I checked my phone's history. 3.35. The call was at 3.35. Mr. Carter had been dead for several hours before that. I shook so hard that I dropped my phone. I see. So what came next? Well, Jane was her usual take-charge self, even during something like this. Since the cops weren't going to be much help, we needed to contact someone who could take care of Lucy. So she called up Abigail Carter. All right, just got off the phone with Mr. Carter's sister. She's catching a red-eye flight over here and told me she'll get Lucy first thing in the morning. But then we'd have to keep Lucy till then. Nothing else we can do. Mr. Carter had no other contacts listed. That's why I wanted to ask if you would be willing to look after the baby overnight. She seems more content around you. I guess I could, but my place isn't set up for keeping a baby around. Then you can stay here if you wanted. 
You'd be doing me a huge favor, and I'll pay you double for your time. Plus, you can have tomorrow off. Sure, I can do it. Thanks, Maddie. I realize it's a pain, but all of this came up so suddenly. It's fine. Better we keep Lucy in an environment that's comfortable. Really, I'm happy to do it. Happy? Yes, it's an emotion. I'm well aware. Let's keep this focused on what happened, though. Emotion is relative. Are you even human? Of course I'm going to feel something. You have no idea what I've been through. I apologize. Let's move on. Fine. What else do you want to know? I covered everything I know that has to do with Mr. Carter's suicide. Knowing what happened to Lucy is just as important. So you agreed to stay at the center with the baby. I did. Well, of course. I had time to run home and get a shower in, and grab some stuff to keep overnight, but then I came back and closed the place down, waved goodbye to the rest of the staff as they left. Did you feel obligated to do this? A little. Jane asked me a favor, sure, but I felt like I needed to be there because of what was going on. I couldn't get that whisper out of my head. Save Lucy. Do you still hear that voice? No, it wasn't like I heard it. It stuck with me. It was like... I don't know how to explain. I knew I needed to be the one to keep Lucy safe. The wind picked up that night, which I admit made it a lot worse. Time for bed, Lucy! Come on, Lucy, time for bed. Maddie will keep you nice and warm, Munchkin. Good night. I tried to settle in myself. As usual, Lucy nodded off in the blink of an eye, but sleep came less easy for me. I just couldn't shake the feeling that we weren't alone in the center. It made the hairs on my neck stand on end, as cliche as that sounds. I put it down to that creepy episode with the dark man earlier in the day and the impossible phone call. I did doze off eventually, but then... goddamn number from earlier. I didn't want to touch the phone. Eventually it rang again and again and again until I worked up the courage to reach out and turn it off. I just sat there, in the dark, wind blowing through the window and Lucy bawling into my shoulder. I wanted to cry myself. And then? I turned all the lights on, power pills be damned. I couldn't sleep after that. Ever wondered what goes through your mind when there's nothing pumping through your veins but ice and no motivation but raw animal fear? 
Nothing. That's what. Instinct takes over. You look for an escape. An opportunity. What was there to run from? The feeling that I was being watched by a dark stranger? The phone calls from a dead man? I felt trapped by those cheery pastel walls. I looked at the clock. 3 a.m. Another three hours until first light. I held Lucy tighter. Those were the longest three hours of my life. Abigail? Yeah, sorry, I couldn't get here sooner. It's alright. Come in out of the wind. Thanks. And there she is. Lucy didn't give you much trouble, did she? None at all. She's an angel. That's good. Forgive me for saying, but you look exhausted, and I just thought... No, no. <laughs> it was just a rough night. All that wind howling kept me up. I'm sorry about your brother. Oh, thanks. Believe me, it came out of nowhere. Here, I'll take Lucy and be it out of your hair. I hate to ask, but I'll need some identification, just to be sure. It's a precaution. Of course, of course. Here is my driver's license, and here's my phone number. Okay, it's all good. If you'll just sign the release form. Thank you. I'm sorry you were caught up in all this. It's fine, really. I did it for Lucy's sake. That's sweet of you, dear. Don't worry now. She's in very good hands. Take care. Goodbye. So that was it? It should have been, really. I should have been relieved to see them go, that Lucy was going to be fine. But then through the glass door, I saw the wind blow Abigail's hair away from her neck, and I saw... The symbol. It was that same angular symbol I had seen on Lucy, right there on the nape of her neck. I ran around the counter and out the door, but the wind blew dust into my eyes, and by the time I could see again, they were already gone. That was the last you heard of them. Pretty much. It's been a week. Mr. Carter didn't have family in town. The authorities didn't bother us about Lucy, really. Cops called by to make sure she had been handed over to the appropriate guardian, and that was that. Nothing. Until your people reached out to me. Right. Did you ever try to get in touch with Abigail afterward? When nobody was looking. I would try to call both her and Mr. Carter's numbers. They were live for a day or so, then they were disconnected. I've tried for hours to remember the symbol that was on Lucy's hip. I can't. I just can't do it. I don't know what kind of agreement the man had with Mr. Carter or how Lucy fit into the whole thing. It's dawned on me recently that he said he'd get Lucy from someone else more amenable. If not from me, then someone else. That's why I can't shake the feeling that I've done something terrible. I hope that Lucy is alright, somewhere out there, and that I'm just being paranoid. I know, deep in my heart, that this is a lie I need to tell myself if I'm going to have any semblance of normalcy after that one day. Mostly, I just try to forget about the man with the smoky smell and the cold hands. Because maybe then he won't remember me. I wouldn't be too sure about that. What? Nothing, nothing. It, uh, I think that actually covers everything I wanted to ask you. We're done here. That's it? What are you going to do about it? Whatever we can. You've been extremely helpful in that regard. Let me show you out. Wait. Yes? What's that on your neck? Uh, just a rash. No, 
It looks familiar. Oh my god. They say all is well that ends well, but I get the feeling that things did not end very well at all, don't you? Even so, we do hope you enjoyed tonight's play, intrepid listeners. Remember that it's never wise to make deals with handsome strangers. Though you may not regret the decision now, someday someone is going to come to collect, and by then it will be too late to change your mind. <laughs> Until next week in Veen, pleasant dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Midnight Marinera is a bi-monthly podcast written, produced, directed, and mixed by David King. This episode features the voice talents of Peter Srinivasan, Marissa Marineo, Alu Mona, Nick Jewell, and Jeremy Peters. Daycare is an original short story written by StrayDog1980, whose work can be found via facebook.com slash StrayDog1980. The adaptation was written by David King and Ben Spiegel. Comments? Suggestions? Details for how to perform hexing rituals on moonless nights? Feel free to leave feedback wherever you listen to this, or email us at midnightmarinera at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.